0: Finding the greatest purpose brings the greatest life. Thank you for listening to the Cross Point Fellowship podcast. This series is called Cross Point Fit. All right, we want to make sure you are completely trained for God's mission there. So, um, Lydia, we need to make sure we put the first two up to Facebook because I know that people are want, going to want to train throughout the week um, for for this. So. Um, we'll, we'll have practice uh, on that later, so you can look forward to uh, look forward to that. So it's good to see everybody again this morning. Um, let me let me ask it. When I when I say the word authority, when you hear the word authority, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you when you hear the word authority? What comes to mind? John What? John <laughs> <authority>. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, all right, all right, all right, there you go. I'm like, is he the the authority on music? Like, you're going to just, that's where you're going to put your marbles, right there, yeah. (laughs) Authority, what what do you think of authority? authority. Okay, (laughs) thank you, Taylor, thank you, Taylor. Police, Police. not the band, we're not going the same direction as (laughs) Dave, right? Like, okay, all right. Okay, there you go. There you go. Like, she's not here. So. I know. I know. It's like Jared. He's he's been silent for several weeks here. He usually opens his mouth when his wife is here and says the wrong thing. But now that she's gone, he says the right thing. So go figure. <laughs> but authority and authority and even and and, and the, the the police is kind of neutral. But we see over the past over somewhere around 50 years, kind of an erosion of just accepted authority. Nobody just accepts authority anymore, right? And, 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 and there's a, a reason for that. A lot of our authority figures haven't like, well, they've kind of abused that authority, right? They've kind of asked us to distrust them. And so, authority is kind of an interesting word. It's kind of a it's kind of a polar opposite sort of uh, sort of word. Uh, I'm a I'm a soccer official. I'm a soccer referee. Uh, those of you new obviously don't know that, but uh, a soccer referee. But the laws of the game we have an entire section about the authority of the referee. I have the authority to to call fouls. I have the authority to give yellow cards and red cards, kick people out. I have the authority, I have to make sure that the balls are pumped to the right air. Making sure that everybody that's playing is on a roster and legally played. There's an authority given to me by the law book that is the law book of soccer. That's a positional, a title authority. There's a better authority out there. There's a better authority available to me when I get on the field. We're in this series called Crosspoint Fit. We started this last week and, and we're taking this, this this New Year's resolution sort of thing that we all want to get fit for a month, right? Or two weeks, and and, and we get we get pumped up to get fit and then, then we have all the, the Stairmaster and the the, the 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 stationary bike. It's stationary, completely stationary. Come February, right? It's, it's that the wheels aren't even going anymore come February. And, and and but but taking a look at the fact that we have this mission that, that, that any time we go on a mission, whether it's a mission to run a five K or a half marathon, full marathon, if it's a military mission, if it's a mission like with a sports team, uh, a championship type mission, we have to be trained for the mission. We're not ready for the mission when we set out for the mission. And so with with the mission of God on our life to advance God's kingdom, it's no different. We're not ready for that mission. Well, and they're ready, and the good news is, the good news is that Jesus trained his 12 disciples on how to get ready for the mission, and we get to eavesdrop in on this conversation. Last week, we took a look at the end of chapter 9 of Matthew, we took a look at how Jesus started out. He started out training them for the mission is that he wanted his disciples to feel what he felt. He had compassion on the people. And that compassion, the idea behind compassion is that Jesus was moved in his bowels for the people. We talked about having bowel movements for Jesus last week. I like, <laughs> think I'm glad I was not there for that. Or, you know, you're going to catch it on the podcast if you're interested. But, but we've got to feel. The first thing we've got to have for a mission is that we've got to feel it in our gut. We got to feel it in our gut in order to go and do any kind of mission. And then, and then, and then, because, because missions are overwhelming, we have to then get help. And the great news is when we're talking about the mission of God, it is His mission on His field, and He helps us. But sometimes we have a, a struggle with the word help in our culture because we hear, oh, God helps us, as in, like, as in, uh, we see help as the person that is coming alongside, in our culture, that is coming alongside to help, we see them as the subservient person or the weaker person. That's not the biblical idea of help. All the way back to Genesis 2, where, G, where, where, where God made a helpmate for man, it's not that the one that was a helpmate was the weaker one, it was that the man was the weaker one. Like, there's no amens out of that. Like, I, I'm sure I said... She- up, I mean, come on. I said, and, 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 and it's not the idea of how biblically that God helps us isn't that God's the weaker one. Well, duh. It's that we're the weaker one and we recognize we need help. We need help from the stronger one to come alongside and give us strength for the mission and give us training, give us everything we need for the mission. And then Jesus, and then Jesus turns the page because because all we talked about last week were feelings, nothing more than feelings, right? And, and, and but, but that doesn't give us to action. That doesn't get us to action. And mission is more than feelings. You can't feel your way into a mission. That's where it starts, but you can't feel that. And so as we transition from Matthew 9 to Matthew 10, it is not a chapter break. It is in our Bibles, but it's not a chapter break. It is one continuous thought. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to see when Jesus starts transitioning to action, what he does. So, Matthew chapter 10, you're going to open up a hardbound Bible. We're going to, going to throw the scriptures up on the screen. We highly encourage you to download the Bible app on your smartphone and tablet so you have, always have the Bible with you in all kinds of translations and all kinds of languages for those bilingual among us. Okay? Doesn't sound like anybody's bilingual here. So, all right. Uh, uh, and, and we put an event in there, and also you can take notes. You can post to Facebook uh... straight from the app and everything we encourage you to do that we encourage you to share what god is doing in your life via social media because well we post everything else so why not post that anyway matthew 10 verse 1 jesus called his twelve disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and and to heal every kind of disease and illness here are the names of the twelve apostles first simon also called peter then andrew peter's brother james son of zebedee john james brother Philip, Bartholomew, who is also known as Nathaniel and John, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. See, when Jesus, Jesus last week, he told his boys to pray, pray to God that that he provides the workers of the harvest. And then he transitions in chapter 10. This is the same thought. This is the same story. This is the same episode. He becomes, Jesus himself becomes the solution to the problem. See, us as Christians, like, you'll never admit this. You're going to chuckle when I say this, but you'd never admit it out loud. See, uh, we as Christians, we use prayer for laziness. We use, use prayer for laziness. Let go and let God. I have no idea what that means. Anybody else ever heard that and go, I have no idea what that means or how to do that? Let go and let go. That almost sounds like we'll end up wetting ourselves if we just let go. Just let go. Let it go. Let it go. No dumb and dumbers here or anything. Like, okay. Let it go, man. Just let. No? No? Okay. But come on, come on. We've been there. Ever, anybody ever wonder why the only thing we ever pray for is people's organs? Not the musical instrument, but people's organs. I know why. We can't do anything about people's organs. I don't want somebody else touching my organ. And, and, and if God answers the prayer, they're like, oh, glory to God. And then if he doesn't, uh, it wasn't God's will. But we're scot free. We don't have to do anything. It's somebody else's organ. Now, am I saying don't pray for healing? Absolutely not. But if that's the only thing we pray for, and I've been in that church that only prayed for people's organs and not for anything to advance the kingdom, we're off the hook. Another example, another example. You get yourself into all kinds of financial trouble. Upside down in, in, in loans. Debt coming out, coming out the wazoo. And, 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 and you finally have had enough. And you repent. And you say, God, this isn't enough. I'm, I'm going to turn around. God, I pray. I pray. God, he can do it. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Hills, put a, put a check in my mailbox that will pay off my debt. Now let's look at it from God's perspective. I give you a monthly salary through your job and you've blown that and you want me to put a check in your mailbox that you don't have to work for. I got this straight. Look, can God put checks in mailboxes? Absolutely. We've seen that personally. But we use prayer for laziness. All saying that we are waiting on God. See, waiting on God doesn't mean we don't do anything. See that scripture out of Isaiah that says, Wait on God, what does he also say? Soar, run, and walk. Do something, go somewhere. But see, Jesus became the solution to his own problem. He became the solution to his prayer. And that's what we have to be. That's what we have to do in a mission. Any mission on the face of the earth that we could go, get into, we have to be the solution to the problem. And that takes a work ethic. And sometimes Christians are the worst at a work ethic. I've heard bosses say, I kind of hate, I kind of hate Hiring Christians. They're lazy. Ouch. We've got to be the solution to the problem. See, God has us right where we are in our neighborhood, in our job, in this church, for those of you that are cross pointers, to provide solutions. To provide solutions to problems. And if we don't have a good work ethic, you're not the solution. You're the problem. Your boss may not tell you, but back in the back when he's talking to other bosses, man, I can't believe that person. They don't think I know, but I know. See, and sometimes inside the church, we, 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 take, we, we think that work ethic is opposed to faith because we take Ephesians 2.8-10. No, we don't work for our salvation. Absolutely not. Jesus alone died. Jesus alone took our sins to the cross and Jesus alone resurrected from the grave. But that verse those verses also say that we are God's workmanship. We are created for a purpose. And it is by faith that we go out and we work in that purpose. And we work hard in that purpose because we have faith that God has created us for that purpose. See, Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 5.10. But whatever I I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Now, it's almost like Paul didn't write this on a word processor. He didn't have a back button a backspace he didn't have that little he didn't even have to do it on a typewriter he didn't have that little ribbon that he could go he wrote it on papyrus and so it's almost like he wrote that last sentence and go oh some other apostles are probably going to read this yet it was not either but god Who was working through me by his grace? A good work ethic is actually a grace of God. We sometimes apply the grace of God only to salvation. But that's not true. Overarching what grace is, somebody in abundance gives to somebody in need. So I think we could probably all agree here that God would outwork us. Just kind of going out on a limb theological limb, way out there, that God would, God would outwork us. And so anytime that we have a strong work ethic to advance the kingdom, it's God's grace working in our life, not us. Because as we go ahead in, in these next weeks and see th- some of the things that we would have to go through to, 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 to get on the mission of God, it's only God that can get us, give us the strength and it's only God that can give us the work ethic to be able to advance the kingdom. Now... Some of you may be here, maybe, maybe because you've been out of church for a while, been skeptical about church and the God thing, and you're like, yeah, I know where you're headed. You're, getting, you're trying to get me to work for you in the church, and blah, blah, blah. No. What you do in your workplace reflects on the kingdom. Helps advance the kingdom. And you are in your workplace to solve Problems. And God gives you a paycheck through your workplace to solve problems, to find solutions, not to work for a job description and do the minimum required. See, here's, the here's the deal: here's the deal. God uses prayer to move us after he moves us. See what I did there? you got to use Facebook for that one. God will use prayer to move us after he moves us. After he gives us the feeling, after he moves our gut for a problem, he will use prayer to move us. So a few years back, a few years back, in my own personal life, in my own personal life, I, you know, God, this is my prayer list. This is what I need you to do. had a revelation believers from God start asking more questions start asking more questions why because when I ask more questions and God responds to those questions it's on me to work by faith to step out and do the what God is saying so this week this week this week it's cold right we we did we did those um, those serve ideas and it, I, I did that so I, I had all the ideas in my mind and I was like you know we go one of the coldest days of the week and go try and and and, and, and pass out or give out hot chocolate packets to our neighbors on, on our street on our street. I've been praying that God God how how do I advance the kingdom of my neighbor how do I advance the kingdom of my neighbor how, how, and then he was like hot chocolate. Now, I didn't expect anybody to get down on their knees and accept Jesus as their Savior just because I put a hot chocolate packet out. So on Wednesday, I told the boys as I was taking them to school, hey, look, we're going we're gonna to pass out hot chocolate in our neighborhood this afternoon when you get home. And they got home, and we put all the packets out and put them in baggies and put tape on them. We're going to tape them to that automatic the garage door opener keypad thing and had the plan and everything. And it's like when you walked outside, the tape immediately like froze. And it was like, ended up being like, I just pretty much used paper to try and tape something to something, and that didn't work out. And so we were trying to, we were like, I don't know what to do because, you know, nobody uses the front door anymore, right? So it's all about garages. And so we just laid them up there next to the garage door, and we're still seeing packets like (laughs) blowing through the wind in the neighborhood and stuff. I'm like, that's kind of a fail. like, oh, that was awesome. Hey, look, 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 here's the deal, here's the deal. We're not on the hook for results. God told us that he would provide fruit. What are we on the hook for? Hear and follow. Hear and follow. There's times that I haven't heard and followed. And I ignored. or uh, That's a nice word. I said no. That's what we're on the hook for. Is it a success? Is it a fail? Is it, uh, did I hear, did we hear and follow? That's what we're on the hook for. And then when he did start speaking, did I start moving? That's what we're on the hook for. So after, after we get this, mm, this problem that, that we, we feel in our gut we've got to solve, What's the next step? What's your next step? I'm not saying quit your business and, and go start a nonprofit. But what is the next step? What's the next step? Because once we take that next step, we are actually going to run into our first barrier our first barrier to mission. Any mission that we would ever face on the face of this earth, this is the first barrier that we would encounter. And Jesus knew this, because Jesus is brilliant, because he's God. He knows this. And the first thing that he trained his disciples on is is, is about overcoming this first barrier. He didn't train them, okay, okay, look, boys, come around. I want you to go out. I want you to do this, 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 and this, and this. He didn't tell them how. He didn't tell them what. He started with overcoming a barrier. What's that barrier? He gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease. The barrier is actually being able to make decisions. Having the authority to make decisions. Now authority has to do with, we talked about authority a little bit, has to do with the power to get something done. And the ability to get something done. Do you have the power to get it done? Do you have the ability to get it done? Are you good enough to get it done? And can you make it a decision to go get it done? Because if you've ever showed up at a new place to work and you find a problem that needs to be solved, what's the first thing you wonder? Do I have the authority to solve this problem. Now, you may not put it in that sentence, but that's really what you're wondering. Do I have the authority to solve this problem? Do I have the power or the skill? Can I do it? Can I actually physically solve this problem? Well, yes, I can, but do I have the authority? Do I have the ability to make decisions to solve this problem? And see, this is a barrier that one, we have to overcome, but two, the organization itself has to lower the barrier and give. People, the authority, the ability to make decisions. See, I believe in our heart that we want to go on a mission. I believe that in our heart that we want to make a difference, that we want to solve problems, that we want to to make decisions, be able to make decisions, but at the same time, what are we afraid of? We're afraid of getting our hands slapped if we go out and make a decision, but it's not the right one. So what do we do? We step back. We're like, "Mm, let somebody else do that. It's not in my job description, right? So as an organization, you have to to lower the barrier and give authority. And this is the same thing that Jesus was doing. Jesus, as God, was giving the disciples the authority to advance the kingdom of God. Think about that. You have the authority. You, right now, I'm giving you the authority to advance the kingdom of God. Like This is just no corporation. This isn't a business that's here today and gone tomorrow. This is the kingdom of God that will stand for all eternity. And he has given disciples the authority to go make decisions to advance the kingdom of God. Crazy. Borderline stupid. For God to give the authority to humans that have a tendency to screw things up? Genesis 3, anybody? He gave us this entire world and we just went out, messed it up? Like, then He gives us back the authority to go advance the kingdom? holy cow. And maybe you're like, maybe uh, you're just like, yeah, well, that, I mean, I'm not trained. I'm not, I'm, I didn't go to seminary. I, I didn't do this thing. I didn't, I didn't, I, I'm not in leadership and, and I, 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 don't, I didn't feel called to go into ministry. And surely, surely these guys, these guys, yeah, sure, that, I mean, they were, be- they were better at this. Understand, understand, understand. You're probably thinking it's the Bible. So these guys, these guys had it all together. Well, let's let's talk through these guys for for a minute. We got Simon or Peter. We got Andrew, James, and John. These four guys. They're listed first because they were the leaders. They were fishermen. Fishermen. James and John, they're, they're, they're said to be sons of thunder. Now, some people think that sons of thunder, that they were, they were the sons of thunder, that thunder was actually kind of a nickname given to their, to their old man because he had a temper problem. And being that they're fishermen, that's probably not a stretch. I mean, Peter was the spokesman, but he got some things right and he got some things wrong. I mean, James and John, they had a helicopter mama. She came up to Jesus like, hey, 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 my boys, my boys. Like this is a job interview. Mama shows up at the job interview on behalf of her boys. Hey, my boys, can they have like your CFO and COO positions when you establish your kingdom, your top two positions? Like, helicopter mama goes up to Jesus and says this. This, this, is, this is the 12 guys here, okay? Then we got Philip. He, he was trusting. He was trusting Jesus at first. He, he, first, he, he trusted Jesus early on, we see in John. But, but when Jesus was about ready to feed thousands of people with a happy meal, he looked at Philip and goes, Hey, Philip. See all these people? What do you think we should do about their hunger problem? What did Philip say? Send them home, Jesus. Send them home. Bartholomew or Nathaniel, he was a skeptic at first. You read, read his story in John, he was like, Nazareth? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Messiah ain't coming from there. He's a skeptic. Thomas? What do we call Thomas? Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. Some of you are like, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. It's amazing how many phrases you say every day that are actually from the Bible. Doubting Thomas. Why? Because when Jesus resurrected, there were 10 guys in the room. Thomas was outside the room. Jesus came into the room and showed them them the the nail scars and the side and everything. And and what what did doubting Thomas say when the guys were like, guess what, guess what, guess what? We saw Jesus. Thomas was like, (laughs) 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 (sighs) when I see the scars, I'll believe it. Then we got, Matthew, the tax collector, there, there, are, two, there are two types of, of people that, that the religious leaders would talk about. There were sinners, which included all the sin. and Tax collectors. They were worse than them. Sinners. And there's tax collectors. Over here. See, they were traitors. They were Jews who went over to the Roman side, the oppressive Roman side, to collect taxes and line their own pockets and get rich off of the people. They were traitors. Then, then, we've got James and Thaddeus. We don't know anything about them. Yeah, it would, like, pretty much the only time they're mentioned in the Bible is when they're mentioned with the other, the other ten Well, at least they made it, but wow. <laughs> I'd like to see something else, right? Like, woo And then there's Simon the Zealot. Now this, <laughs> this is interesting here. Now this gets good right here. Because the Zealot, he's the only one that's, that's, that's anywhere close to being religious. And really, how he viewed himself and the Zealots and, 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 and religion was that he was one that would um, basically be a terrorist for, on behalf of the Jews. He was willing to kill, he believed it was actually his God kind of ordained ability to kill Romans because they were oppressive and kill anybody that would be a traitor. Which would include Matthew. So... <clears throat> Among the 12, we've got a guy who is very good with bearing arms. And we've got a guy who Mr. Bear Arms guy would love to kill. In the 12. This would be pretty close to right wing, left wing. In the twelfth. This is the group. Then we've got Judas. He was the treasurer of the group. He was an embezzler. He then sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver with a kiss. This is the twelfth. That Jesus picked and said, Come follow me. I think you're okay. In fact, the less you've been trained in religiosity, the better you are. So Jesus trained these guys, and the first thing he did was to lower the barrier and say, I give you permission. I give you authority to make decisions to advance the kingdom. See, this is what he's told them. Here, uh, uh, you, you have the ability, you have the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Now, uh, us sitting here are like, uh, I don't envision myself doing that anytime soon. Like, What do we got here? Let's go to overarching um, um, thoughts behind what Jesus is saying. The, evil spirit really is more of decisions, evil decisions, or actually destructive decisions. You have the ability to go out and heal people's minds from destructive decisions. And, 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 and healing, healing uh, sickness and, and disease. Like, when we make destructive decisions with our mind, it affects our body, right? Right? We have the authority to go out and heal people. Not wave our hand over them and say, be healed, but rather start walking with them and showing them that when they hear and follow Jesus, they will be healed. That their mind, their body, their emotions, because when we make bad choices, our emotions are affected, right? We destroy our emotions as well. And so as, as a somebody that's a follower of Jesus, somebody that's on mission, here's what He's given us authority to do. To go and bring healing to where people destroy themselves. To where people are making decisions that destroy their life. Where people are doing things that destroy their life. That's what, that's what That's what God gave His boys permission to do in any other disciple that has ever lived. That we are here to bring healing. He gives us the authority to go make decisions, to make decisions, to advance God's kingdom, to bring life where there's destruction. But see, there's a bigger authority than just a title, than just the law, the book. See, there's a bigger authority than that. See, when every time Jesus taught, every time Jesus taught, people would get he would get done and people would go, man, you know what? He has an authority. He has an authority that's, that's greater than our religious leaders. They couldn't put a finger on it because he didn't have a title. He was a Jewish carpenter turned rabbi. He didn't have a title they couldn't put their finger on his authority but they knew he had it see there's a different type of authority than position authority there's a presence authority there's a different type of authority than a title authority like i have a name plaque so therefore you listen to me there is a presence authority Just talking about being a referee, and I can show up, and I can, I can, I can call the game according to the laws of the game by, 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 the, by the title that I have, but there's a way to make the game go smoother. John Maxwell, leadership guru, he said, leadership is influence. Leadership is influence, and really, with, the, with authority, what we're talking about is the ability to influence people. Leadership is influence, but what is Influence. Influence is presence. Presence, being there. Being present in their life. If you want to have influence with anybody, if you want to have influence for the kingdom, you have to have presence in their life. You have to show up. In just over a month, I'm going to go up to Kansas City and, and ref two teams. One I've refed once. They won't remember me. The other I've never refereed at all. This is a common occurrence. So I could show up, do things by the book. Or I can establish a presence with the two teams. Talk to both coaches. Hey, how's it going? How's your travel up from San Antonio? How's the season going? Try to get them to laugh a little bit. Disarm things, have a presence. Talk to the captains. Find the players that, that, that are the keys to the team. Get him in my back pocket so that when I need to deal with somebody else, I go through him first. Presence. If you want to have influence in your neighborhood, influence in your workplace, influence in your school, you've got to have presence among people. If you want to have influence in your home, it's not enough to live there. You have to establish a presence with your boys, with your kids, with your girls, with your wife, with your husband. You can't just be present in body. You have to be present completely. The presence. In order to have presence, you gotta have, you got to love. Not ooey-gooey, like romantic, you know, love. Phileo, love. Brotherly, love. Love that... that, that Wants the best for the other person. See, when I show up to do a game, my goal, my goal is simple: allow that game to be one lost, one win, lose or draw, because of the talent, strategy, and tactics on the field, not because of misconduct. And so I have to, I have to view that game from their point of view, not mine. And if you want to show up and be present at work, in your neighborhood, in your home, you have to, you have to, you have to want the best for them, not you. His presence is love, and love is simply looking out for the best for the other person, not you, because love is sacrifice. Sacrifice. Love is sacrifice. You don't truly love somebody if you don't sacrifice yourself for them. And sacrifice is leadership. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You don't take your title and your position and you don't lord it over people, guys. You use your authority to serve people, to sacrifice yourself. And when you do this, when you become present, when you love that other person and want the best for them and you sacrifice for them, you're going to get an authority. You're going to get a leadership that you never knew was possible, that goes beyond a position, that goes beyond a title. People will actually follow you. And they'll follow you into the kingdom. It's a different kind of authority. And you've got to work at it. See, to use the title authority, you don't have to work at it. Not at all. You just have the title. But to have positional authority, or presence authority, relational authority, you've got to work at it. You've got to work at it. And it doesn't come natural, because sacrifice doesn't come natural. You've got to work at it. To be present. To be able to influence people. Influence in your neighborhood isn't just going to happen. You've got to be intentional about going out and being present in people's lives. And this is the type of authority that Jesus modeled and that he wanted his disciples to get. Because, see, we've become good at the title authority, the law authority. The Ten Commandment Authority. And we get our blowhorns and we get our PA systems and we get our picket signs and we get our, get our A-frame boards that we put around ourselves and we yell at people. See, that's a title authority. We have the authority to do that. But there's a better authority. There's an authority that shows up in, in sacrifices. There's an authority that shows up in love. There's an authority that shows up and be present is present among people. And have nightlight here this morning. I mean, we're going to hear from them in just a minute. I mean, this is a perfect example of what they're doing. They want to be present among people. They want to lead into the kingdom. And they've got to love. They've got to show up and do something not for themselves, but for some other people and sacrifice themselves in order to have influence on behalf of the kingdom. See, what happened? What happened after Jesus left from Acts 1 to Acts 17? This is what happened. That people out in the public at large, people in the government said this about Christians. These men who have turned the world upside down. Positional authority will not turn the world upside down. Title authority will not turn the world upside down. It takes presence authority to turn the world upside down the question for every single one of us is are you ready to turn the world upside down now acts 1 to Acts 17 is a span of 20 to, or uh, 30 to 50 years it's not going to be overnight but every time we serve every time we want to have presence with people We're establishing a presence authority. And that, over time, will turn the world upside down. Are we ready to turn the world upside down? See, at Crosspoint, we're not building a church. We're not growing a church. Not interested in church growth. We're advancing the kingdom. See, if I was interested in church growth, what we would do, we would have ministries that that went out seeking to serve Christians to make them happy. That's church growth model. Advancing the kingdom model is Christians show up to serve non-fans to advance the kingdom. Those that would say, I'm not a fan of God. That's all right. We'll serve you into the kingdom. It's a big difference between the two. Are you ready to turn the world upside down? Because if we are people on mission, with a mission, to be present with people and to serve people, that'll turn the world upside down. But if we just want to make Christians happy, we won't get to do that. Are you ready to turn the world upside down? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for... Training your, your guys that we get to we get to listen in on this many years later and be able to learn from it. And Lord, you, you've given us, you've given us the ability to go out and make decisions, to advance the kingdom, to bring healing to where there's destruction. Lord, give us give us a work ethic, give us an ability to not just pray, but to, but, to, but to be moved by you out in order to turn the world upside down. Let us not be focused on if things went right, if it's a fail or success. I mean, we want to learn, but ultimately, are we hearing and following you? Are we doing what you have told us to do? That should be our, 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 our one and only goal. Help us to be a people. To go out To bring healing to others. In your name we pray. Amen. To find your God-given kingdom purpose at Crosspoint Fellowship, go to cpf.me forward slash top 10.